John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. We'd like to take a minute to thank our pals over at Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. Buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. High Gain listeners get 10% off using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. That's all at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, this is Ed Peterson. And this is John Kiltica, Ed. And this is the High Game Podcast, John. Oh, yes it is. Ever so closer to spring. I think this week we should talk about guitars. That's what I think we should do. Switching it up, huh? Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I am sitting in a basement in beautiful West Seattle. So am I. Are you? Crazy, man. How is it up there? Just up the hill from me. Pretty subterranean. Yeah. You know where I wish I was, John? Uh, no. In the beautiful waters of Lake Minnetonka. That is a Minnesota reference, is it not? It is. It's a Purple Rain Prince Minnesota reference. (laughs) You know? You know about the Purple Rain and the Prince? I would play some of that, but I know none of it. But we could learn more about it. Okay. I've got a guitar here. Yeah. It is a champagne sparkly guitar. Okay. Made by Hewn, H-E-W-N guitars, out of, guess where? Is it Minnesota, John? It is Minnesota, and David Slack from Hewn is here. You are here, right, David? I am here, that's right. Oh! We did it. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Did you move to Minnesota because of Prince? Um, That was one of the reasons I moved there, yeah. <laughs> It also was just the amazingly warm winters. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 Where did you move there from? Texas. Oh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, man. But, like, weirdly, this year, Texas and Minnesota had pretty much the same winter, I guess. Yeah, I think we just had a better power grid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Seattle gets snow. Once a year at most, and a lot of times it skips a couple years, and the city shuts down. We get like a quarter of an inch of snow, and schools are closed for, you know, two weeks. We don't get snow here. You can't blame Texas. For sure. 
They weren't used to it at all. Yeah. Where in Texas are you from? Or are you not from there originally? No, I'm, I'm originally from there. I was born and raised in East Texas, which is a part of Texas that most people don't think of when they think of Texas. They usually think of the hill country in Austin or big city Dallas or Houston, but just north of Houston and southeast of Dallas towards Louisiana, there is a part of Texas that's full of pine trees and a lot of humidity and it's a rainforest. Whoa. Oh. That's where I'm from. We are the sons of no one, bastards of young. We are the sons of no one, bastards of young. The daughters and the sons. Beverages. Beverages, Ed. What did you think of that? Did you recognize it? <laughs> I, I did recognize that. Did you? Yeah, yeah. That's the replacements. That would be Bastards of Young. They are Minneapolis? Is that right? I think they are, yeah. Definitely Minnesota, right? I think they're definitely Minnesota. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Minnesota's got a great musical history. Lots of bands from here. Like Husker Du and the aforementioned Prince. Oh, what happened to Prince? Uh, yeah, he got dead. Yeah. Yeah. I have a Virgil's handcrafted black cherry soda beverage. Whoa, that sounds fancy. It's um, cane sugar, all natural, great taste. That's what it says on the bottle. Yeah, but can you believe that? Well, I'm going to try it in a second here. It's from Connecticut. Hmm. What do you got, John? Well, you know, I took a page out of your book, Ed. I don't know how I'm going to like this. Okay. It is hum kombucha. Oh. Kombucha zero, raspberry lemonade. Huh. How is it? I like the raspberry lemonade part. Yeah. The kombucha part could take some getting used to. It's a kicker. How about you, David? I'm drinking a black coffee because I just had lunch and I didn't want to fall asleep on you guys. I think that's a smart move. That happens a lot around us. (laughs) I got to tell you, this Virgil's, it is very black cherry and very strong, like super sweet. Too much? Maybe a little bit. Well, do you have the uh, emergency backup coffee? I have a big mug of black coffee, for sure. Come on. We don't want to fall asleep on you, David. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's awful nice of you. Yeah. I first saw David's guitars, the Hune guitars, on Instagram. And as a fan of everything the Chicago boys did in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and a little bit into the 70s, you know, the catalog guitars... My eyeballs stuck right to them, and I DM David and told him so. And uh, we've been kind of going back and forth the last couple of years, maybe. Yeah. We were finally able to arrange to get one sent out here to us. I appreciate the support. So what you have is an H2, which is an offset inspired by a lot of those guitars you mentioned. The Harmony Bobcat being one of them, but many others. It's not an exact copy. It's not a replica, but it's inspired by that for sure. We love those guitars as well. We wish sometimes they were a little better quality than they were making them at the time. So that's what we try to do is custom shop quality, but that style of classic catalog guitar. I think you nailed it. When I put it on the stand and I set up some lights to take a couple of pictures, I found myself just kind of staring at it. 
And I'm like, ooh, this thing's great. All the way down to these knobs that look like old radio knobs. Those are like Hofner-style knobs, but we did a little something different to them. We put a little index dot on them. Yeah, we love those. Something that looks like it would be off of a dashboard of a classic vintage 50s car or something. Yeah, it does kind of look that way. Yep. And what are these pickups in our example here? Those are Lawler gold foils. Ooh. Jason Lawler doesn't make a bad pickup. No, he doesn't. Every pickup that his team does is top-notch. I really dig the color scheme on this one, the antique, almost parchment-y kind of pickguard. It's a cream, yeah. Definitely that burgundy mist color in the cream looks like it's straight out of 1950-something for sure. I can't decide which I like better. That kind of vintage burst is kind of nice, too. Yep. I would have a hard time figuring out what to do. Yeah, we got to get two of them. <laughs> really? We love our burst on our headstocks, too. That's something we like. The other thing on the H2 is it's got an angled headstock for a six-in-line tuner, similar to those old catalog guitars. Yeah, that's really nice not to need that string tree. You've got four models you currently do? Yeah, three of them are different varieties of the same body shape, pretty much. So you can just get it in a different cutaway configuration. So either single or double cutaway, that's the H1. Right. Which is kind of like the thin twin and all those catalog classics. Right. And then we have the H2, which is what you have in your hand. We're working on acoustics too, but I know with this is an electric podcast. The grandpa guitars, we do them every once in a while. <laughs> uh, yeah. We're not totally afraid of them or anything. That's good to hear. I was worried about you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How did you get started building? Well, I came to playing a little late in life compared to most people. And as soon as I started playing, I started taking them apart and figuring out how they worked and hot rodding my own guitars. And so I'm a way better builder than player. So I built a couple of Telecaster style guitars all around 2000 when I was living in Dallas and just set it aside, focused on other things in life. And then uh, back in 2013, um, kind of was uh, at a crossroads uh, at a job I had, and I just kind of wanted to maybe step away from it and take a break. And I had this kind of guitar building desire. They have a guitar program down in a city called Red Wing, Minnesota. And I went to that and I thought I was only going to do one year, ended up doing the full two year. And it just was amazing. Such a great opportunity to be close to that. And that's how Hewn started. Its origins were in that school and uh, just been building since about 2016 ever since. How did you come up with the name Hewn? Well, my last name's Slack, and that could be used in a negative way, and there's Slack tuning, and I just thought it would be best to stay away from that. So I just came up with Hewn, and which means to rough cut from something raw, and there was a URL available. I just jumped all over it. Nice. I believe we have some viewer questions. Oh my gosh. We've got a bunch of viewer questions. One that I'm interested in is what's your personal favorite pickup combination for each model? I definitely like my traditional pickups. You know, good P90 is great. And we build for whatever the customer wants. The pickups are interchangeable. Under that pick guard, we have a universal route, which is one of the benefits, I think, to buying a Hune. If you ever want to change pickups, uh, it's as simple as a new pick guard and anything will fit. What if a customer wanted something that wasn't necessarily in the same kind of spirit of the old catalog guitars? Like, what if somebody's like, uh, hey, man, put a set of VMGs in here with this preamp? Well, they'd have a hard time convincing me to do it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, one of the questions was Floyd Rose compatibility. <laughs> I can't tell if that's a real question. Yeah, well, yeah, the answer is no. It's not compatible at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not even compatible with me. I hate messing with those things. For sure. I get confused. So you said you got the URL. Were you pretty sure there was a plan? No, there wasn't. I thought I was just taking a little break from the corporate gig and thought I would learn how to build electric guitars. It's a very structured, almost like a trade school. You go there in the first six weeks, you don't even touch anything that looks like a guitar. It's all learning how to sharpen your tools and care for them. And then if you're going to do the program, you have to build an acoustic. And I didn't even understand them, like what really made them work. And it's such a more complicated system. So once I got bit, I had to do the second year. Did you build a guitar before you went to the school? Like you said, you had kind of hot-rotted things, but hunk of wood to guitar. Yeah, a couple of Telecasters, yep, which is one of my favorite guitars ever. So I, I knew how they worked. I had finished a guitar, which is a big part of that program, and is finishing is definitely a little bit of a black magic, I think, to a lot of woodworkers in a guitar sense anyway. So I knew a little bit, but I you know, learned so much more. Yeah. Telecaster is your favorite. That is sort of missing in the shapes that are available. Is that a by design thing? That's an order off the menu option. Oh. I'll still build a Telecaster. I love them. Uh, of course, they're not Telecasters. T-style guitars. A T-shape. Yeah. Yeah. It just seems like to me there's so many great builders, and I know you've interviewed many of them. And, you know, I don't want to bring sand to the beach in that sense. Like, I'm happy to build them, but we wanted to do something a little different. Yeah. Are there any shapes from those, you know, older, maybe Tysco designs or anything like that, that you're kind of noodling on? Like, oh, no one's ever asked for it, but I would like to do dot, 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 you know? Yeah. I'm always up for a new um, configuration or controls or pickguard material or knobs or whatever, but we want to limit exactly how many models we could make because it just gets to be so much it's just a lot to keep up with as far as templates and making sure that options are compatible. Has one of the models resonated with people way more than others? Actually, it's as individual as the people. Some people think the H1's amazing. Some people think the H2's where it's at. And there's certainly different beasts. I mean, the H1's quite a bit thicker. It's a full two inches, so it's more Gretsch-like. Yeah. The H2 that you have is one and a half, so it's more SG-like. just feels different. So they definitely land in one of those two camps, and that's kind of why we went with those two models. You know, it's weird. I don't think I'm in one of the two camps. I was pretty anti-Florentine cut for quite a while. Like when we started the show, I was just like, ah, oh, it's just not my thing. Yeah. I've grown as a person. I've matured. <laughs> And now I'm like, man, the H1F or the H2, yeah. I would have such a hard time picking between those two. And then that H1F with the double cut. Yep. Oh, that thing's rad. <laughs> it's so great. You'll poke your eye out. Yeah. Absolutely. I am in the exact same boat, Ed. I look at it and I'm like, I could do one of those with no cutaways. Or I could do the one. I think I like them all. I know. <laughs> yep. Yep. The H1s, the binding seems pretty standard. Do you ever make them with like no binding? Well, that one's capped because it's fully chambered. So everything has to be at least top bound. Got it. It's a pretty big silhouette. It's more like an OM size acoustic. Right. Right. So it would be really heavy if you didn't chamber it. Yeah. 
And that's something that we definitely try to take into account is just the balance of the guitar and just making sure it doesn't have neck dive or too heavy of a body. John. Yes. Let's hear that thing. Okay. I'm going to turn off the overdrive. There are two gold foil lollers, a pickup selector switch, and tone and volume. I have set everything in the middle, essentially your clean tone. I like that. Let's go down to the bridge. If I crank that tone, how bridgey can we get? That's pretty cool. And then if I go all the way necky, roll that tone down. That's the overview of it, Ed. Now, should I put some of that growl back in it? Oh, of course. nice do something a little surfy john surfy i like to call out just like random thing hey john do this and just see if he can did you put on there that is the strymon volante oh yeah cool if i wanted to put on like maybe the volante the dark star and the bell epic <laughs> all at once Now we're like in the middle of some desert waiting for somebody to get shot. Sure. Spaghetti Western for sure. <laughs> yeah, totally. Love it. That offset shape, you needed to do a little kind of surfy business, you know. One of the pictures I saw, David, had this thing with a trim on it. Was that a Goldo trim? Yep, it is. If you have a tunematic or stop tail piece, that's a great replacement. We've had a couple guitars in with those on them. They're so smooth. Yep. They're crazy good. Yeah, really well designed. Was that a custom that you made for a customer? That was, yeah. That's got the metal flake, which is definitely a lot of work. My garage that's attached to my shop still looks a little bit like a Barbie dream place with all the glitter that still is in every nook and cranny. Yeah, we've definitely had people on who've done those flake finishes like that, and all of them are just like, oh my God, it's so terrible. <laughs> yeah, Tim at Built, I remember when I met him, we talked about it. They've got a pretty good way to do it, but it gets really messy. Do you do like a retail market thing? Do you ever crank them out and send them? Do you have stores that kind of... We're thinking about it and talking to a few retailers, but uh, it's just really hard to provide at a wholesale price that would be what they would be used to getting and make sense for us. It does feel like going the custom route would be maybe a little more satisfying. You're talking directly to the customer and like, what do you want? And I don't know, I kind of like talking with people. 
Certainly. I guess one of the most satisfying things in doing this is that you get to see somebody that, you know, is a great musician, usually go and take something that you make, and then they go make music with it, are able to really fulfill their dream. And then my dream of hearing these people make great music with my instruments is, it is a certainly uh, satisfying loop there. Right. How long does it take to make one? Um, if you finish correctly, it's going to take at least two to three weeks with finishing. And we are definitely going to move to nitrocellulose lacquer going forward. We have been using some urethanes and electrics, and that's what the guitar that you have is. But three months is kind of what we say, three to four months from the order time. I have built a guitar in two weeks before. That's without finishing, of course. So it can be done if you're just able to really get down to business and focus on it. Right. But that's electric. That's not acoustics, that's for sure. You gave us a walkthrough of the shop, which was super nice. But do you have multiple in process at any one time? Yeah, I've got at least 12 electrics here in process right now. And that's kind of the idea with standardized uh, features. It's literally like get a fingerboard that's been made, ready to go, fretted, neck blank, uh, fit with a body, and you can get one together pretty quick. You said you kind of just started in 2016 and just picked it up. Do you have a longer-term vision of maybe getting help in, or do you want to keep it smaller for a while? I think keep it small. We don't really see ever trying to ramp up and be like a mass-produced kind of thing. We really want to stay focused on building a custom instrument. It's just myself and then my partner, Michael. He's handling most of the acoustic builds, and we're just working together, and I think that's as big as we want to be. All that and your shop cat, right? Yep. I've got two of them, but the one is a little more camera shy than the one you saw that everyone does love. I think that's the most liked Instagram post ever for me. (laughs) Cats and guitars, man. Yep. Who designed your logo, the Hune, the H? That's really cool. Yep, that would be me. My other life is as a graphic designer. Oh, it's really cool. I really dig the headstocks on them. It looks great. Thanks. Is there a larger luthier community in the Minneapolis area that you kind of touch in with? I'm unfamiliar with the range of it up there. Well, being close to that school, there's quite a few builders and repair guys floating around. And uh, that's a great resource just to tap into as you run into problems or maybe you just want to have a shoulder to cry on because only they understand (laughs) your English of doing this uh, sometimes. But yeah, there's a lot of them around in Minneapolis. It's a pretty tight group. And there's definitely some builders you should check out if you don't already know. Well Hazard and Minneapolis Guitars, two places here in town. And there's also a local pickup winder, Jesse Ravel, that is stunning. We have our little post-COVID, where would we go? And it's like, well, we should go to Portland, Southern California, and Minnesota. (laughs) It's weird. Plenty of places to go out there. Yep. Hey, you want to hear something? I do, yeah. Okay, I was messing around with sounds earlier on this thing, and I came up with one. Tell me what you think. Let's see. What do you got going on there? 1981, into the Recovery Effects Phantom Operator, into the Recovery Effects Shortwave. You're killing it, John. Into the Digitech whammy. We got another question. I'm going to lay this question on you. Are you ready? Yep. Do you find yourself more K or Gibson ES-125 no cutaway inspired? Huh. 
for the H1. Well, from a non-cutaway standpoint, it would have to be the Gibson because there's not that many Ks that I know of that were mostly solid body non-cutaways, but I am K all the way. I think as far as an aesthetic, I think that's more my, my jam. What is your most popular neck profile and why is it low C shape? <laughs> I think you're leading the witness there a little bit with that one, but I happen to like a modified V personally. That guitar, by the way, that you're playing, it's got more of a D shape, which is something that was just a one-off. We tend to usually just build a couple of C shapes, a modified V, and then uh, we have a sharp V that I'm just waiting for somebody to be hardcore enough to order. But I do like a modified V. It feels shallower, this one. Yeah, it's a chunky D. It's not too deep, but it's pretty full with those shoulders on that D. That I can feel. That's wonderful. How many do you kick out in a year, do you feel like? Have you kind of settled into what you can do? It depends on what's going on. The most I've ever built was 10 in a year, but there's been years there's only been like a couple that have happened. Things have definitely slowed down with COVID as far as interest for us. And I think it's just because we're not as well known as some of the more established people. But I know a lot of people are out there in their COVID lockdown wishing they had a new guitar. I think ideally six electrics, and then we'll see how many acoustics we get pumped out is about the right amount. For us, it's more about coming up with great guitars. Yeah, for sure. Do you see yourself doing something like NAM, or is that not really in the works? I know that there's been some small builder booths, you know, like collections of people, and that's something we would maybe be interested in, but we certainly don't have the pockets to do that. And I think the worst thing for a small builder is to bite off more than they can chew. It's just not a good idea. Right. Yeah. Have there been any aha moments in the build process? I guess going to the school, maybe you learned a fair bit of them. Yeah. The funny thing is in school, they teach you just enough to arm you with all the general problem solving ability that can get you through, but they don't teach you exactly this is how you go and you start a guitar business, or this is the only way to make a guitar, which I really appreciate about that school. You kind of make of it what you will. Yeah. There have definitely been things that I'm doing different that I'm kind of like, wow, like I wish I would have known this earlier. Like you said, you're armed with how to make a guitar, but not how to start a business, which feels terrifying to me. Yeah, the best advice I've gotten from guitar builders is just keep doing what you're doing. It's a long-term thing. Yeah. What got you to that business point then? You mentioned that when you started the program in Red Wing, it was kind of as a hiatus from the corporate gig and the idea of a business wasn't yet in your mind. Was it the program itself that got you on the road to thinking about a business? You know, having worked in businesses before and launching brands automatically are thinking about like, well, how this could turn into a business. That wasn't it. The school was more just the knowledge of learning how to build. But as far as it turning into a business, it just seemed like it was the obvious thing. If you're going to make something, I wasn't going to make just one. I wanted to make more. And if you make more, then you have a product line. And if you have a product line, then you have a business. Right. <laughs> Were you in a design firm in your other life? I've been part of design firms. I even had my own design firm for a while. I currently work still doing contract work for a company in that capacity. I graduated college and started working for people. I've only done that. Uh -huh. And so the idea of starting your own company feels so scary. It is scary. Yeah. That's my biggest thing. Like, oh my God, how did you make that jump? Oh, it's crazy. And if you had to go get a loan to do it or whatever, you're going to have a hard time justifying the business model. 
that's the part we continue to just be in amazement of as we talk to more and more people, yourself included, to take that leap of faith, but remain focused on the quality and the artistry of what you're doing. And then coming out the other side are these beautiful instruments worth talking about, I think. It's helpful to have support. You've reached out and been supportive and everyone's digging what we're doing. And that's what really keeps you motivated. If there were someone out there in the world that you would want to see on a stage with your guitar, who is it? Who do you want to pick one of your guitars up? Ooh. Oh, man. Well, Jeff Tweedy would be all right, or anybody like that. One of the Jayhawks can call me up here locally. You could do worse than a Jeff Tweedy, for sure. Anybody listening to this should know that if you want that kind of 50s Harmony K vibe, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that vibe without the 50s $100 guitar, like. <laughs> yeah, it has a truss rod that works. Yeah. I think I'm going to be playing this for uh, quite a while until I send it back. If you send it back. <laughs> that has happened. This podcast is very dangerous. Yeah, well. We can talk about that. I still want to make uh, an orange one, a metallic orange one, because I hear somebody likes metallic orange. <laughs> yeah, there's an orange guitar on the wall right behind me. <laughs> I'm colorblind. And so I just have this thing where it's like, oh, I know that that's orange. Like if something's some random shade of blue, I'm just like, blue? Question mark? Maybe it's green? <laughs> orange, I just always know. Yeah, interesting. It's a very dumb reason to like a color, but, you know. That could be your thing, Ed. Orange. <laughs> <laughs> so, people can find you at HewnGuitars.com, right? Yep, that's right. And then you've got a pretty active Instagram as well. Yep. Yeah, if ever there was a community made for a platform that's all about pictures of stuff, it's guitar people. Yeah, cats too yeah cats and guitars then it's nuts yeah john posts his cat and guitars and they are so much more popular than my dogs and guitars photos yeah cat people Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> okay so instagram and hewnguitars.com yep where can people find us john us yeah we have a website too it's thehighgain.com okay and we are also on Instagram at The High Gain. How about that? It's great. We've got a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash The High Gain, if that's your thing. For as little as a small amount of money, you can get all the insider stuff. Yeah, bonus episodes every week. Cool stuff. Yeah. All right, David. We should officially thank David Slack from Hewn Guitars for coming to talk to us when people willing to talk to us are in short supply. Thank you so much for showing up, David. No problem. Thank you for having me. Thank you. What do you think of that, Ed? I think we did a great job, John. A-plus all the way. Really? Come on. You do not need to suck up. I insist. It was great. <laughs> okay, see you later. Bye. Bye.